Hello, this is Anthony Day, and it's the Sustainable Futures Show. It's been a busy week. Apart from anything else, we flew in from Australia last Tuesday. I know, don't say anything about carbon footprints. But jet lag does tend to uh, screw things up a bit and uh, slow things down. Anyway, what's been happening this week? The big thing that made headlines, and joyous headlines at that, was the result of the G7 discussions. Apparently they said that they would eliminate fossil fuels by 2100. Now, of course, you can be cynical and say that any politician who makes a promise which doesn't have to be met until long after they're dead is clearly onto a winner. But let's look at this in a bit more detail. Actually, what the G7 said was that by 2100, emissions from fossil fuels should be eliminated from all aspects of the economy. They also said that by 2050, electricity should be decarbonised. In other words, there should be no emissions from the process of generating electricity, which basically means we're going to have to get rid of gas and also coal power stations, unless perhaps we can get carbon capture and storage working and getting working effectively. Of course, there are emissions not just at the point of use, but also at the point of production. So there is pressure on oil and gas companies to take steps to remove the uh, pollution which occurs when they either dig up the coal or the extract the oil or pull out the gas. Those emissions tend to be methane, which of course we know is more than 20 times as dangerous as a greenhouse gas as carbon dioxide. The leaders at the G7 conference said that emissions should be reduced by between 40 and 70 percent by 2050 by comparison with 2010. This is a bit confusing because a lot of the reduction targets in the past have been set up by comparison with 1990. I haven't had a chance to look in detail to see exactly what that means. But the point is, and the most important point, is that world political leaders have accepted that climate change is a serious issue and that man-made emissions are the cause and something must be done about it. So this continues to set the scene for the Paris conference where countries are coming together to agree on targets, specific targets, country by country, to reduce carbon emissions. We need to continue to put the pressure on because 40 to 70 percent by 2050 is not nearly enough, according to scientific opinion, to keep us below the critical two degrees. Although our own David Cameron was amongst the leaders who made this statement from the G7 conference, at home the UK government seems to have a very mixed message on energy. On the one hand, they've said that local communities will have the last word when it comes to deciding whether wind farms should be installed in their area. On the other hand, as far as fracking is concerned, they've decided that the Environment Agency will no longer need to be involved with test drilling prior to fracking. And also they're going to put in legislation so that no citizen will be able to object to any organisation which decides to frack beneath their property. 
This week, BP published the latest edition of its annual statistical review. This is a highly respected document which looks into great detail across all forms of energy, oil, gas, coal and renewables. It looks at reserves, it looks at production, it looks at consumption. It's got an awful lot of data in it and I shall be looking over it in the next couple of weeks and I will come back and report on what I see as the key issues that come out of it. This week, of course, is EnergyX. That's the Energy Exchange, which is going to be held in Westminster. I believe there are one or two places left. It's mainly about community energy and the role of local authorities. Have a look on the website. That's EnergyX, that's E-N-E-R-G-Y-E-X dot co dot U-K. And you can find out much more and you can sign up if you think it's something you'd like to come to. I'm chairing four of the panel sessions and I'd be delighted to see you there. The day before, on Wednesday the 17th, there is a mass lobby of Parliament to urge MPs to take climate change seriously. So since I'm going to be in London for the conference on the Thursday, I shall be in London for the mass lobby on Wednesday. I understand that my local MP will be there, although she isn't replying to my emails. And it'll be very interesting to see how well informed and how concerned she and other MPs are about this issue. The Ellen MacArthur Foundation is a major supporter of the circular economy. Briefly, the economy we live in at the moment is the linear economy, which means we take, we make and we discard. We take resources from nature, we process them in some way, and after we've finished using them, we just throw them into a hole in the ground. The circular economy is a bit more than reduce, reuse, recycle. But the whole idea is that we recycle as much as we possibly can. But in order to do that, we start at the manufacturing and design stage so that the components that are used to create whatever product or service that we need, so that those components can be recovered with the minimum of destruction. Because we put material into components, we put energy into components, and we put labour into components. And if we just sort of crush them up so we're left with bits of metal or very low-grade materials, then we've wasted that energy and we've wasted that labour. So the Alan MacArthur Foundation, with its work on the circular economy, is looking at ways of minimising these losses. Now, last year, they set up their Disruptive Innovation Festival, and this year they're doing the same thing again. It's going to run from the 2nd to the 20th of November, but they're about to open requests for people to take part. You can take part as um, an individual, in which case you can offer a, um, an open mic event, or you can take part as an institution, and the things there are called uh, big tent events. It's a sharing of ideas, and last year's was quite amazing. This year's will probably be so as well. If you want to know more, you just go to thinkdiff.co. That's T-H-I-N-K-D-I-F dot C-O. Yeah, dot co. Not dot co dot UK, not dot com, just dot co. A number of things have um, been highlighted by the environmentalist. 
in the latest edition of their magazine. This is the magazine of AIMA, the Institute of Environmental Management and Assessment. One story they picked up is about the Scottish Government, which wants to increase its influence over UK energy policy. First of all, Scotland has not met its own targets, so it's going to take action to see if it can do better. But apparently they are looking to give Holyrood ministers a veto over cuts to subsidies for onshore wind, which was a key policy pledge of the new Conservative government. That seems to be a bit of a vexed question. There's also an article which sounds alarm bells about the fact that the Environment Agency is increasingly underfunded and finding it more and more difficult to do its job properly. There's a very interesting graphic as well which shows the environment industry in the UK and how it makes significant contributions to the UK economy. You can find this if you go to environmentalistonline.com although to read the magazine you may perhaps have to be a member of IEMA. But what's wrong with that? IEMA.net, I-E-M-A.net, the Institute of Environmental Management and Assessment. Another relatively short episode this week. I'm working on getting some interviews lined up for future episodes. Particularly, I want to get an expert to talk to us about electric cars. Last Saturday, I presented to the Professional Speaking Association in London, and if the video has been successfully completed, then I will probably publish that on YouTube, and I may well use the audio track for one of these episodes. There are some very interesting people signed up for Energy Exchange on Thursday, and some extremely interesting people who will take part in the panels. So I will feed back to you on that after the event. I'll also try and find out more about the electric plane. Not the one that's doing the solar-powered circuit of the Earth. There's another one, apparently, which presumably has lots of batteries, which will do 170 miles an hour. Anyway, I'll see what I can find, and I'll let you know. But for the moment, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Sustainable Futures Show. This is Anthony Day, starting another week. I hope you're going to have a good week, and we'll be in touch again. So until next time, thanks again for listening to the Sustainability Futures Show. And bye for now.